All right, well, good evening and uh, welcome on this beautiful fall night to uh, the C monthly CTM event. Um, quickly, show of hands, how many people are here for the, at, one of, at any CTM function at all for the first time? And Bonterre, St. Gerard Magella. All right. Oh, there we go. You're right. You're from right here, right? Yep. All right. Well, again, welcome. Our prayer to St. Joseph. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, protecting Father of the infant Jesus and dedicated husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we come before you for your powerful intercession and protection. We turn to your courageous example to form and shape us into masculine presence and that we leave others to knowledge of God, our loving Father, so that we can be examples for our family, our church, and our community. We lift up to you, St. Joseph, our joy and our pain, our success and our struggles. Through it all, with our sinfulness, may we persevere in the mission of leading our families to heaven. St. Joseph, we recognize the calm and protective presence that lifted up the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Son of God through your love and protection. Obtain for us through your divine Son all the spiritual blessings needed to grow with his disciples, strengthening not only our relationship with him, but also that of the entire church. Amen. So, just a, a little bit of a little bit of history on the prayer and on and on the CTMs. Our fourth year of doing these monthly events, the last Tuesday of every month, um, which is pretty phenomenal to get a bunch of guys together to talk about something other than football or sports or stocks or silly stuff like that. Um, even before CTM was really even formed, we picked a patron saint, Saint Joseph. Um, which is why we pray for his intercession at the beginning of all of these events. Um, he's a perfect example of, of fatherhood, of masculinity. He taught Jesus how to be a man. Um, so he's a good, a good guy to, to call on for prayer. So we, we, we took him as our patron. Um, and like I said, we've been having these events every month. We're finishing our second year of doing the men's cross training sessions, which some of you, I know I've seen some of you at some of them. If you haven't been to one of those, they're, they're similar to this, but a little bit quicker and not necessarily, not that this is formal, but just a little, it's a very much shorter night. The whole thing start to finish is an hour. Um, and we get you in there and get you out of there and gives you some time to, to interact with other guys and, uh, and get to hear a, someone's personal witness of how they're growing in the faith and how, how they're living out their faith and trying to lead their families. Um, one of the, the primary goals of the CTM from the beginning has been to give men tools, help men find other men to walk the walk of life with. We're, the world is, you know, depending on your perspective, it can be considered quite a mess. And as men, we try to fix it ourselves. We try to do everything ourselves because we're big, strong men and we don't need help. Reality is we do. That's why we're doing these things. We need other men 
to help strengthen us in that walk, help us live that life together, and move ourselves and our families closer to Christ. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell what we're doing, why we're doing it. So outside of these events, encourage and welcome you to men you see at these, men you meet at these, get together with them, go have lunch, talk about life, what's going on, go, hey, let's get two or three guys together and, and come over to someone's house and have a card game or just sit around and again, talk about, you know, struggles, real stuff. Um, Cause that's what, that's what we need to get, you know, to get through this and to, to have the support of other guys helping us walk through the same stuff together. Um, kind of our topic list for this year, if you, and we didn't put them on the tables this time, but if it, it, most of you have probably seen the Vivid Vision booklet that we put together, um, it's kind of a real, you know, high, high level view of kind of what we're doing, why we're doing it. Well, within that are some, some characteristics of, of a CTM man, of, of what we have come collectively through prayer and conversation come to understand that of what, what we're called to be. Um, so the themes of this year's talks each month have been some version of that. CTM man gets his family to mass. A CTM man loves his wife and shows it as our topic tonight. Um, is a disciple of the church, studies church history, all those things. So that's kind of what we've been walking through this year. Um, next month, the our final event for this calendar year, because we don't do one in December, Father Huber is going to kind of give us a his version of a full wrap-up of the year. So it'll be a good one to, they're all good to come to, but it'll be a good one to, to make sure you, do, you don't miss. Um, I don't think I missed any other things that I should have said or was supposed to say. So last time you spoke before yeah, that, yeah, I know, I saw you yeah, said it like, yeah. last time you went first. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, so the purpose of this, again, for us to do these readings is we believe as a community of transcendent men that if we get, prepare for the readings, then it'll make the read the mass all the all the all the uh, more um, spiritual for us. And the other the other belief is that if you just unpack the the background of the the readings, it just helps to us understand things too. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, before I get into that too, I, we we hear a lot of negative things about going on in our church and everything. I was driving up here with four other men and. Um, one of the men, Alphonse, was talking about there, there's literally mass conversions going on in the Middle East because of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And one of those uh, mass uh, converts, those guys that were converted in mass, was an Iranian uh, escapee. And uh, Alphonse was telling me about he's a UFC fighter. He's an MMA guy. And he was in Dubai and fought, and he won. Maybe you guys seen the videos. He fought and he won. And here's a guy that was a farmer Muslim. Now he's a Christian, and he and he made a comment uh, about. I haven't seen the video, but basically, Jesus Christ is it. You know, Jesus Christ is God. So, and we got a mass conversion because of the Blessed Virgin Mary. A lot of you may not know. I didn't know this till about ten years ago. That in the Muslim tradition, they have a special place for the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I know since I heard that, and a lot of people heard that, we've been praying for the conversion of all our Muslim brothers and sisters to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary, and evidently those prayers are being answered in, in mass. So we got that going on. 
Also, too, uh, one of the men that was driving up here with me, too, Harry, I'm going to pick on you, but he just converted about three or four years ago. Uh, he moved in this area and was looking for churches, and, and, and then he said, well, the last one is a Catholic church, and I'm just going to check it off the list. I'm going to give it a go, and, and he fell in love with Catholicism. And here's Harry right now, and he's talking about his a lot of his friends now are converting to Catholicism. Now, one from uh, Phoenix, or was it? And one down in Houston, Texas now this year. So there's a lot of things happening. And I know at IC in Park Hills, uh, we got seven people converting where they didn't have any. So something's happening here. Something very special. During the, all this, all things new, we got, we, you know, the shutdowns and everything. We got, a, I, we got a lot of reason to be excited and remember always. We got Jesus in the Eucharist. And it's the most transcendent, most awesome thing. So just wanted to share that with you before we get into the readings. Now, again, these readings are, aren't meant to be a, a homily, just a, a unpacking the background that you think, well, what, what's important about that? I don't know, but we'll find out. I'll, I'll let you decide that then. So, so the first reading is from Wisdom. Uh, wisdom is uh, like all the, uh, the wisdom literature, whether it be Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or uh, the, the song, song of Songs, all these wisdom liturgy uh, uh, books are designed to really, they're like spiritual self-help books. Now they point to, uh, they unpack uh, a background, but, and they, they certainly uncover, especially wisdom uncovers the history of Israel. But they're really, it, 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 so we got that going on. And the other thing too, please keep this in, in, in the historical concept here. The world has not seen any of these simple concepts that we just take for granted. The Jewish tradition has introduced all this to the world. The world has not seen this. So in wisdom here, you'll hear about all things come from God in the first chapter. And this is chapter 11, where all the wisdom is of the Lord. And then wisdom talks about the guy who wrote wisdom. We think he's from Egypt. He, uh, he's a... He's a so after the Babylonian exile, the, a lot of the Jewish people, the Israelite people, were, they, they went all over the, the, the Mediterranean world, including back to Egypt. We suspect that this guy was from Egypt. And at this time, after Alexander the Great, most of the, the, the Mediterranean world spoke Greek, even in Egypt. And so this guy's writing in Greek, and he's talking about the Israelites escaped from Egypt, and he's in Egypt writing about this and notice too how he's also talking about how God created this world and we can actually experience in some way we can actually God reveals himself through the world in some way shape or form now again historical perspective you see up until this water was a God or that tree you passed was a God or that mountain is a God. And now the Jewish people are saying, no, no, that tree's not a God. That, that tree is of God and from God. And we just take that for granted. And so when you hear the words about uh, the wisdom about how we, we can, God's in, his reflection is in all creation, that's radically new concept that the world has never heard of before. Okay, so that got that going on. Now, I'm going to drop with you to, I'm going to go with Luke here, and then I'll, I'll get out of your way here. 
Uh, so Luke's gospel, this this we have a three-year cycle in the uh, in the books. We Catholics probably go through most of the Bible than any other denomination, any other Christian denomination. Dr. Scott Hahn says when he was a, a Protestant preacher, he would preach his own pet uh, scripture passages, but then he became Catholic. He knows that we Catholics go through the almost the entire Bible. So if any of you, uh, if anybody comes to you and says, "Well, you Catholics don't read the Bible," the heck if we don't. Every time we go to Mass, and now we're going through the Gospel of Luke. Now, since in the first nine chapters of Luke, Jesus was was up in the Sea of Galilee area. And then after chapter 9, he takes that long trip down to Jerusalem, where we know he's going to die, and he probably knows he's going to die. Oh, he does. And he goes through Samaria, and he he takes his route. He goes down into uh, uh, Jericho. As as many of you know, Jericho is one of the lowest places in in the world, uh, sea elevation-wise. It's like 600 feet below uh, sea level. And that's where the Dead Sea is, where there's nothing living in this Dead Sea. And Jesus goes down to Jericho. And then he goes up, and then you got to go up the hill to Jerusalem. So you're going south, and then you're going down to Jericho, and then you're coming up the hill to Jerusalem. And that's what we got here with, with Luke there. And so from chapters 9 to 19, Jesus is taking this, this, death, this death travel, uh, this death road to Jerusalem. And he's going around teaching us about parables and everything else. And then last week, if you recall, he used a parable about the temple. But he, he, he as, a, as an adult man, he hadn't been in the temple. He was as a kid, but not as an adult man. And so he's going to the temple. And he talks about this parable about this Pharisee, if you recall, last week, and this tax collector. Well, now he actually bumps into a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And notice just a couple things here. God has to be present in the proximity of Zacchaeus. In order for for Zacchaeus to have this encounter with Jesus, God Almighty. But then Zacchaeus has got to do something. He's got to climb a tree. So we believe that God is in proximity in the... in, In every Catholic church, we call it the Eucharist, right? God is in proximity. He makes himself in proximity in our lives. But now we got to get in our vehicles and go there. We don't have to climb a tree, but we do have to go to, to the church. And so as you think, as we go through these readings again, just keep all that in mind, and I will now shut up. But you know we like hearing you speak, Father, because you're so passionate. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get some volunteers to read the readings. So... Who would like to read the first reading? Just pop on up here. All right, come on up, JP. And just in case you're not very much of a person that anticipates what's coming next, I'm going to ask for the responsorial psalm and then the second reading. Mind blown, right? I didn't see that coming. <clears throat> Before the Lord, the whole universe is as a grain from a balance, 
or a drop of morning dew come down upon the earth. But you have mercy on all, because you can do all things, and you overlook people's sins that they may repent. For you love all things that are, and loathe nothing that you have made. For what you hated, you would not have fashioned. And how could a thing remain unless you willed it, or be preserved had it not been called forth by you? But you spare all things because they are yours, O Lord and lover of souls, for your imperishable spirit is in all things. Therefore, you rebuke offenders little by little, warn them and remind them of the sins they are committing, that they may abandon their wickedness and believe in you, O Lord. The word of the Lord. Sponsorial Psalm. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will extol you, O my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate towards all his works. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord. Let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is faithful in all his words and holy in all his works. The Lord lifts up all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. Now Mark pops up. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and powerful bring to fulfillment every good purpose and every effort of faith that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him in accord with the grace of God and Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, brothers and sisters, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and are assembling with him, not to be shaken out of your mind suddenly, or to be alarmed either by a spirit or an oral statement, or by a letter allegedly from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is at hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and a wealthy man, 
was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay him four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so tonight's speaker, a lot of you know he's been frequenter of the CTIM events since the very beginning. Um, comes from Immaculate Conception Parish up in Arnold and was there when Father Huber was up there and, and started Gideon's Army, which was the beginning of Father's real drive towards getting men to step up and becoming the leader. Um, and within that organization, within those prayer meetings, he felt the call to the diaconate. So Please welcome newly ordained, back in May, Deacon uh, Bob Eichelberger. It's great to be here, guys. Great to see such a large crowd. Can everybody hear me okay? So just a quick prayer before we start. Um, the tragedies and things that have been going on in our world locally here. So if we could just bow our heads in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we pray for the families of Alexandra Bell and Jean Kuska and the students at the faculty of the Central Visual and Performing Arts. Thank you, Father, for the first responders and members of law enforcement who put their lives on the line and got students and teachers to a safe place. Lord God, you are attentive to the voice of our pleading. Let us find in your son comfort in our sadness, certainly in our doubt, and courage to live through this hour. Make our faith strong through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. When uh, Matt asked me to uh, do this presentation, I thought, well, you know, this is great, an opportunity to evangelize. You know, that's what we're all called to do, to be um, disciples of all nations, and make disciples of all nations. Then I thought about this title, and I thought, a CTM loves his wife and shows it. <clears throat> well, I was thinking about last um, Sunday's gospel and uh, how I was thinking I was a Pharisee rather than a tax collector. I was, it was I, I tithe, I go to church, I pray. And uh, our good friend Greg Rowison uh, set me straight in speaking to him and recognizing it's... Um, the men that are here are not here to uh, be spoke to about my 
prayer in my specific uh, life, but what we could bring to our lives and what we can bring to others. So I sure I love my wife, but knowing that, showing that I love my wife and how to bring that message to others is uh, the message that I wanted to uh, present. Um, you'd think after 43 years, I'd have this down pat and loving the, my wife. Um, but I learned by assembling this and talking about or getting this reading together, this presentation together, that I've got a lot to learn. Before I was in formation in the diaconate, I was teaching at Rankin Technical School. And um, if you want to learn something, teach it. And so I found out real quick that uh, presenting something is a way of finding more out. It's, it's unbelievable what these students would come up with with questions. So I don't have all the answers, but I seek to find the answers when I get stumped on the questions. One of the other senior teachers there presented that to me, and uh, it stuck with me in learning to present things in a way that I don't have all the answers, or we don't have all the answers. Things I'd like to discuss this evening is uh, marriage in the Bible, Christ as the bridegroom, marriage in the Eucharist, and prayer in marriage, which I think is the most important thing that we can do to love our spouses. The Bible begins with marriage of Adam and Eve, and it ends with marriage in Revelations in chapter 21. I um, put this picture up here. Um, I always get that question about, you know, what's going through your mind when you're sitting there at the ordination um, on the cold floor there on a the marble floor. Well, the only thing that was going through my mind was that cross and how Christ died for me, how Christ died for us. But I wanted to uh, present that to you just because I thought in awe of what is it, that one thing that uh, everybody asked that same question of, what, you know, what was going through your mind? So talking about Revelations and talking about Genesis, so we have, um, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared now, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy sea, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride dressed for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice come from the throne. Look here, God lives among human beings. He will make his home among them. They will be his people, and we will be their God, God with him. So it's revelations. So let's explore this a little deeper in Genesis. Then God said, let us make man human beings in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame animals, all the wild animals, and all the creatures that crawl on the earth. When God created man, he realized that he would be lonely without a companion. And so he created Eve and Adam. Eve represented a friendship that should be enjoyed by all men and women who choose to marry. We are created to be with people. It is part of our human makeup. Marriage within the church provides a joint companionship that can be enjoyed through the easy and the well as the hard parts of life. God created mankind in his image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God's creation story isn't complete until he was joined, the man and the woman, that he created to become the one flesh. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and shall become one flesh. The account of this first ever institution of marriage is God's example of the ideal wedding. One man, one woman, bound together by love and with residing, this, residing as the center. Since God created me in this image and likeness, then the best way for me to understand God is to look at myself. If I'm an image, a likeness of God, then everything about me except my sin tells me something about God. Deacon David Parker of the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin, he explains it as the central role of the Eucharist plays in the relationship between Christ and the church. One of the most important biblical reasons for man and woman to form a relationship is to be procreative. God entrusted man and wife with the greatest responsibility in all of creation, to procreate more souls to come to know and love him. God's first commandment to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and produce a line of people to rule over the creatures of his earth. Just as without the love embrace between husband and wife, there can be no fruit. So without the love embrace of Jesus, there is no Eucharist. There can be no fruit. The verse from Genesis says specifically, male and female, he created them. Therefore, since I am only male, something is missing for me that completes the image and likeness of God, female. I'm not saying that God is male and female. What I'm saying is that there's something about us being male and female that tells us something about God. God is three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet he is one God, the Father, and God, the Son, in an everlasting love relationship, having their love for each other, being joined by God, the Holy Spirit. Something about us as being male and female can help us understand this. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one body. God planned a man and a woman to come together in marriage as one body. Their expression of everlasting love relationship may result in the creation of a child that binds them together. And the three, father, mother, and child, become one family, an image, a likeness of God. In the Old Testament, God reveals his love for us as the love of the bridegroom for his bride. It is not without reason that God uses this image to explain his love for us. After all, the love in a family is the image and likeness of God. Just as a husband desires his wife to their love embrace, God desires us, his creation. This image of the bridegroom and the church is his bride. What does a bridegroom do for his bride? He gives his body to her in a love embrace as it is fruitful. The Eucharist is the love embrace between Christ and the church. Christ gives flesh to us and we give ours to him and it is meant to be fruitful in a real sacramental sense, at the Mass, we adore Christ, and it is fruitful. When we go to Mass, we should go with a great sense of anticipation as a bride waits for the love embrace of the groom. Without the love embrace between husband and wife, there can be no fruit. So without the love embrace of Jesus, there is no Eucharist, there can be no fruit. 
Jesus said, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. We looked at the procreative, fruitful aspect of the love embrace between a husband and wife. There is, however, a second element to the love embrace, unitive. The lovers need also to be just to be with each other. It strengthens the lover's relationship. If they are united in love, it is a blessing when the spouses look at each other in adoration. To be united to the other and to just love creates bond and strengthens that bond. What would become of lovers if they did not spend time just telling each other how much they love and need the beloved? It is the same with the Eucharist. Since the Eucharist is our love embrace with Christ and communion is meant to be fruitful, and there also needs to be a unitive dimension to our spousal relationship with Christ. This unitive element, the church, is adoration. We need to spend time with Christ, time just to look at him as he looks at us, a time to simply enjoy his presence and talk with him, to strengthen our relationship with him. He wants to speak to us, to give us encouragement, to tell us how much he loves us. This is a critical element in the relationship between lovers. The enemy wants nothing more than to destroy our love union with our spouse. And this is the same with our love relationship with Christ in the church. The enemy does not want there to be any fruit from our love relationship with Christ. What is the best way to do this? Take away our belief in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. If we do not believe in the true flesh presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and we no longer receive him in, the, in this love union, then there is no fruit. The love embrace between Christ and the church is the Eucharist. Christ gives us his flesh to us and we give ours to him and it is meant to be fruitful. In the 16th century during the Reformation, this is exactly what happened. The belief in the real presence was denied and many fell away from the church. They were left only with the symbolic presence of Christ in their love relationship with him. Even though any relationship with Christ is good, a relationship without flesh is incapable of producing the fruit that was intended by God. What happened was that the Eucharist was contracepted. From that point until the present, the importance of the flesh union was no longer recognized as a critical part of our relationship. As discussed earlier, it is also necessary to have the unitive element to our love relationship but there is no point in having a unitive element if it is only symbolic. We cannot adore a symbol. The same mentality has carried over to our relationship with our human spouses. If it is possible to have a fruitful relationship without the flesh union, then why not contracept? If a symbolic relationship is okay with Christ, why not a symbolic relationship with our marital partner? The enemy has won the battle. If Christ cannot produce the fruit in us that he wants, then we can choose the fruit we want. It is the age-old story of Adam and Eve deciding that they knew better than God and choose the fruit of their liking rather than the fruit that God desired for them and still desires for us. We want control to be like God's ourselves. 
The enemy tells us that if we choose the fruit that we want, then we can be like God's. As man created in the image and likeness of God, we can proclaim hope to others. The enemy has been defeated, and we win the battle in the end. Jesus is looking at his bride, the church, today. Just as he looked at its followers after many left because they could not believe his teaching about the Eucharist, he is asking us, do you also want to leave? We echo the words of Peter, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In the Eucharist, the memorial of the new covenant is realized. The new covenant in which Christ has united himself forever to the church, his beloved bride for whom he gave himself up. It is therefore fitting that the spouses should seal their consent to give themselves to each other through the offering of their own lives by uniting it to the offering of Christ for his church made present in the Eucharistic sacrifice and by receiving the Eucharist so that communicating in the same body and the same blood of Christ, they may form but one body in Christ. The way to become intimate with Christ and unifying our marriage with Christ is prayer. We must pray with our spouse. While it can be awkward at the beginning if a couple can learn to share their prayer, they will experience intimacy like nothing else can provide. It is important that a couple grows in prayer. One of the most painful experiences is to have a deep spiritual life and not be able to share it with your partner. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in 2707 explains that there are many and varied methods of meditation and prayer. I placed a few copies of the types of prayer on your tables. If uh, you don't have enough or if you need one, please give me your email address and I'll send you the information. When praying with your spouse, be patient and gentle with each other. Don't judge the other person's prayer or make fun of it. Don't act like you know it all. We are all beginners in prayer. Reverence each other, affirm each other, accept each other, learn from each other. Discuss with your wife on how you learned to pray. Maybe it was a teacher at school or your mom or your dad before you went to bed at night. It could be a devotional like the rosary or a devotion that you have to a saint. In the Christian tradition, there are three levels of prayer, vocal prayer, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer. Vocal prayer is prayer said with our voices. These prayers could be spontaneous prayer. They might be your first time praying together, maybe very often delicate and awkward at the first because you are taking up a big risk. You are doing with another person what you have probably only done with yourself and God until this point in your life. But give it a try. Remember that prayer is about a personal relationship with God. Try talking to your father and maybe just begin by thanking God for bringing your wife into your life. Ask Jesus to be with you and to walk with you as the good shepherd. 
Invite the Holy Spirit to come and come upon you and help you to love each other as God intends. You may also want to pray for each other. Maybe one is struggling with worry or fear about something like a new job or a, taking a promotion. There may be some struggle that one of you is going through, like a physical emotion or a spiritual illness. You may say something like, Father, please be with my wife and give her strength. Some vocal prayers you might want to try. Try starting your day with morning offering. Think about blessing each other. Consider going to Sunday or daily mass together or a special occasion or a prayer with the daily scripture readings. Read the readings to each other and talk about a word or phrase that speaks to you. Using the daily readings would be a great for Lexal Divina as well. Pick a novena to pray together. Pray the Divine Mercy Chapel together. Create a prayer board. That's one of my favorites. Place it in an area that frequently visit, like the refrigerator. Just place a, post a note on it or a chalkboard. It's easy to think about things or people or prayers or something you want to tell your wife. But if you make that little note and stick it on the prayer board, you'll remember to discuss it with her or when she reads it, she'll remember to discuss it with you. Pray the examined prayer of St. Ignatius said that the most important prayer that we could say every day is the examined prayer. It is a simple five-step prayer. Gratitude, petition, discern, forgiveness, and resolution. Pray before and after meals together. It's one of my favorites. <clears throat> Just like many of us, I have kids that have fallen away from the church. When we go to a restaurant, we sit down to eat. And of course, my kids love to go to the restaurant with me because dad's buying. But they, <clears throat> my daughter will say, dad, let's pray. And it uh, enlightens my heart. But it's uh, something that uh, you don't see very often in people in restaurants. Pray before you go to bed. Pray the Liturgy of the Hours, also known as the Divine Office or the Breviary. It is the universal prayer of the church said throughout the day around the world. Meditative and contemplative prayer tips for couples. Make a holy hour. Try spiritual reading together. Or read a few pages each day to each other and then spread, spend time reflecting on it. Pray the rosary together. Quite often, we become silent and not speaking to each other when we're driving down the road. I heard uh, Deacon Keating make a comment about this, about this silence. And as I was talking about our relationship with our spouse and our relationship with Christ, we don't want to be silent with Christ. Why do we want to be silent with our spouse? The app on the uh, iPhone I use a lot, if it gets silent in the car, I'll turn on the rosary and that'll be our prayer together. Pray Lexio Divina as a couple. The five P's of prayer for a couple. Posture. We pray with our bodies and what we do with our bodies helps us enter into prayer. The four traditional postures are standing, sitting, kneeling, prostrating, laying our bodies face down on the ground. As I mentioned in the picture of prostrating and 
at the um, cathedral. I guarantee you when you're praying in that position, you remember things. You remember what your prayers are. Try all four of these postures at a different time and see what one most helps you to pray together as a couple. You may want to try sitting or kneeling together and holding hands. Prepare as the Holy Spirit for guidance on the best way to enter prayer together. It may help to talk it over beforehand or it might be something spontaneous. Consider how you would pray and ask for guidance on leading your partner into prayer. <clears throat> Tristing is a new word that I learned. And this, one of the P's is place. I've been introduced to a new word. It's an agreement as between lovers to meet at a certain time in a certain place. One of the things I read was um, when Forrest Gump, when his uh, girlfriend passed away, he went back to the work to the bench, if you remember, and um, just talked to her. And it's it's something you could do in your own house and uh, set up an area in the corner of an altar or something that would remind you. One of the questions I put on the list was taking an inventory of your house of what things do remind you of Christ and of each other and your love for Christ. Presence. Take a moment to realize that you are in the presence of God. Make the sign of the cross. Jesus promised, for where two or three are gathered together in the name, there I am in the midst of them. Deacon Keating, who gave a great talk here a couple of months ago, wrote a book titled Spousal Prayer. I uh, urge you to get a copy of it and read it. Let your wife read it. Let your spouse read it. Keating's first prerequisite for spousal prayer is to behold the other spouse. To behold, he says, is not just a matter of looking at one spouse, but means that you allow your spouse's heart, your spouse's identity to be received at the deepest level of your being. In other words, beholding your spouse means seeking to discover anew the beautiful gift of God's creation that your spouse is. The next prerequisite for spousal prayer is listening to one's spouse. Spouses listen to each other frequently throughout the day with more or less attention. But Keating is talking about something deeper. Just as beholding is more than looking at one's spouse, so too listening is more than just hearing one's spouse say what, what, with what one's spouse says. Keating wants spouses to listen to each other at the deepest level to receive what your spouse says as a gift of herself and to receive it into your own heart. The final prerequisite for prayer is forgiving one's spouse. Keating spends some time talking about what forgiveness is and how spouses can heal from each other and from Christ when one of them has the wounds from the other. What married couple has not experienced that, that painful event? Holding a grudge, refusing to forgive, can of course prevent spouse from achieving true intimacy. In contrast, seeking and offering forgiveness and accepting God's forgiveness and for healing the wounds of a spouse that we've inflicted. Lay the groundwork for stable and lasting intimacy. Refreshingly, he acknowledges that prayer can be hard, especially when one is not used to it. Failure in prayer is expected and welcome, he writes, because failure, the same of not doing prayer right, 
reminds us that prayer is not about mastering a skill, but about being with God and receiving his presence in love. But even through prayer, at its heart, it's not about mastering a skill. Couples will benefit from reflecting on Keating's description of what spousal prayer can look like. Here he reprises his first section on preparation for prayer. Prayer, he says, is a matter of beholding God, listening to him, and repenting in order to receive his forgiveness. The parallel is clear. Intimacy with God relies on the same principles as intimacy with one's spouse. Behold, listen, repent. This model of prayer can give couples a place to begin in learning to pray together. That is to be in God's presence together and receive him into their lives as a couple. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. What you are in love with will affect everything. What you do with your evenings, who you know, what breaks your heart, how you spend your weekends, your reason to get up in the morning. Fall in love and stay in love, it will affect everything. Beholding your spouse, listening to your spouse, and forgiving your spouse is the way to stay in love. You want your decisions to flow from the core of your marriage and the heart of your love for God. One of the workshops that I was able to go to was uh, with Dr. Gresham and his wife, Mary Jane Gresham. Some of you might know them. I think the Greshams were a member of this parish for a while. They're retired now in Florida. Um, but Dr. Gresham taught at the uh, seminary for a while. But I, I put some of those uh, handouts, it was information I got from that workshop. And I just wanted to share that with you on uh, couples communication in crisis. This helped me a lot in being able to um, pray with my spouse. <clears throat> so the couple communication in Christ, CCC. Ask your spouse if this is a good time to do CCC, about five or eight minutes. If it's not a good time to do it, perhaps you can agree on a time when it will become convenient. Stay with the time limit you agree on. Sit in a position that is comfortable, good eye contact and touch hand to hand or knee to knee. Begin with the sign of the cross. Respond to each other's. Listen carefully to your spouse and say thank you after the statements. Appreciation. Share one positive thing about your spouse. And this is something that you can do before you go to bed at night. You don't have to go through every one of these steps, but share these items, abbreviate these items. But the important thing is to listen and to be sincere when you share yours. Step two, the new information. Give your spouse an update on anything going, in or going on in your life that may not, she might not know of. Intimacy thrives when spouses know what is happening in each other's lives. Are there things that you don't understand about your spouse? Puzzling things? Don't assume your spouse knows everything that you're interested or knows all your interest. This is also an opportunity to explore any puzzling questions you may have about yourself. Suggestions with requests for change. When you state your suggestions, be specific about behavior that bothers you and that state the desired behavior you're asking for. Phrase to use, I notice, and I would prefer. 
if emotional or touching issues come up that need long discussions, you might set aside a more appropriate time to deal with this in depth. When something comes up that needs a longer discussion, agree to set a time and aside later to discuss this. Step five, wishes, hopes, and dreams. Share everything that you have been waiting for, for something you dream about doing or hope to see happen. This is a vital part of who you are and what you are. If we don't share them with our spouse, we are depriving them of an important part of ourselves. This can extend from the mundane, from the craziest. End with a sharp prayer. Taking all that you have talked about and giving it to God, asking his blessing and help him in your marriage. Praying together is the glue that binds our hearts together and focuses on God's power in our marriage and our family. I was interested in um, hearing everyone's input on um, discussion as far as their prayer. You know what works, what doesn't work. And if you don't pray, if you don't pray together with your spouse, what is it that you can do to start that conversation and that prayer? I know with my spouse, it doesn't have to be anything big or important. You know, extending the meal prayer uh, is a good start. I um, think that um, the only way to love your spouse is to be intimate with your spouse. We're all here because we want to get closer to Christ. So we can't ignore our wife and our spouse and be closer to Christ. Thank you. Deacon Bob put together a few questions for discussion at the table, so I'm going to go ahead and read through them, and then, you know, before you start discussing, just take a, take a minute to kind of formulate your thoughts individually, that way everyone kind of gets a chance to. So question one, how do you pray with your wife, and or how could you improve prayer with your wife? And he gave some examples of couples' prayer, praying at Mass together, praying before meals, praying the rosary or novenas together. So how do you pray with your wife or how can you improve your prayer with your wife? Number two, what do you do or can you do to surround your wife and yourself with positive things? He mentioned taking an inventory of what you have in your home that reminds you of God. So what can you do or surround, to surround you and your wife with positive things? And then the third one, what example are you to others, children, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, on how you care for your wife? What areas do you need to improve or could you improve to be a better example of Christ to others? Anyone out there want to throw in whatever their thoughts were or something that was shared at your table on question one? How do you pray with your wife? Or how could you improve your prayer with your wife? Anybody have a good, I was horrible at it, and we did this, and now I do? Yeah. Bonus talk. All right. Do you have a 45? No. <laughs> Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> I, can do, I can do that. No, we, we just started talking about, um, uh, for me, uh, the uh, way back, it was a long time ago, we went to a marriage encounter. 
if you ever get a chance, I don't, it don't, doesn't matter what state of life you're in, either duly married or right now, it's always, we always said it was worth, it's worth going to even a, even as a good marriage, it's worth going because you spend three days of really intense prayer and sharing with one another. And then from that, you learn how to do that on a routine basis. And that really keeps your, keeps you connected with your wife. The program is, is very simple. I mean, it's, I guess if, if you've been on ACTS, it's very similar in that sense that you go through a lot of different uh, programs, you hear a lot of witnesses, and you go to Mass, and you, you share that together. You share private prayer and even adoration together. And it's really a, a, a spiritual experience that, and for us, it was, for us, it was very important because it was a month later, our, um, our son died. And if it wasn't for that marriage encounter, I'm not sure what would have happened. So um, sometimes God works in strange ways, but he also gives you just the right moment, the graces you need to go on. And uh, I think it's, a, it's an important thing, but look for it. There's, uh, you, there was a tools that was, a, uh, that's another program. Teams of Our Lady. I, I'm not familiar with that, but that was the other one we talked about, is to get together and, and yeah, we get together as a couple and you start sharing how to pray, how to interact, how to share with one another, uh, especially in in, um, in the uh, spirit of God. So that's what we did. Thank you. Another, Mark Benson actually mentioned it at our table, and uh, it, it kind of fits with what we've got going on here. But we, down in, in Festus area, we have a Catholic couples group that meets, well, we, we used to meet once a month, and uh, COVID kind of put an end to it to some degree or another, so we're trying to get that going again. So uh, actually this Saturday evening at my house, so find me if you're interested, but it's basically... It's, it started a long time ago, a couple years back, just as a way to get couples together. We share some food, it's kind of potluck style. Talk about life and faith and stuff like that. But, but yeah, getting together with other groups and other couples is always, always good. Um, what about things we surround our, ourselves with? Anybody have any, any, I mean, I know a lot of us have crucifixes and different images. Anybody have anything like really, like I was at one guy's house and he had a full-on chapel in his house. I mean, like full-on legit crucifix, stained glass windows chapel in his house. Anybody have anything really out there or that's that's noteworthy? How can we say anything after that? I know, right? I shouldn't yeah. have said that first. <laughs> I uh, uh, our marriage certificate our, our, that we you know mailed out right fifty years ago. Um, uh, we had a Mod Podge, whatever you call it, and. Uh, stuck it right there by the door into the bathroom so you can see it every time you go into the bathroom that we're still married all right that's cool so like the invitation yeah, the, the, the wedding invitation yeah, you had invitation. all decorated up and that's your entrance to yep to the throne to the i was i was gonna keep it i was gonna keep it cleaner than that but yes entrance to the throne room all right um anybody else have any no all right Anyone that's not receiving, that didn't, make sure you sign in one way or the other so that we have your email address. If, I, if we don't have your email address, we can't let you know what we've got going on. 
Um, so make sure that if you're not already receiving them, that you do hit the little link to sign in. If you're not a technological savvy kind of guy, come up to me afterwards and say, hey, Matt, can you help me get signed in and we'll get you signed up. Um, but that way you get the you get the notifications for things going on. Um, and then I guess we will close. Father Hooper talks about this all the time. We've 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 transitioned over the last 50 years from a from a from an age of Christendom to apostolic times. The environment is awful. It's tough. Uh, it's not friendly for our kids, for our grandkids, and. Uh, being a grandparent, I, I think just about myself. Being an A, I, you know, I got to play the role better than my than my parents had to play it um, because it's it's so much tougher. And so um, we're committed. There's a group of us. We're gonna this thing gonna keep going. But I'm telling you, it would be helpful if 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 some more guys could get there and bring some guys. And uh, it's just like tonight, Bob. Great job. Um, just so much, uh, that was so nutritious for me personally. And uh, when, when us guys get around and talk, it, it, gets back, it, goes, it gets back to our homes, you know, and it gets back to our kids and gets back to our grandkids. So if, if this sounds like a pep talk, that's exactly what it is. If, if we, we just gotta make this happen. We're gonna be in these three locations. We're probably gonna be in a fourth location this spring. We wanna get into 20, 25 locations by the end of the 24-25 school year, and, and then it's gonna, it's gonna go across the country. And as Father Huber says, and I know many of us in this room believe him, this is the only answer. <laughs> there is not another solution that's a close second to trying to turn the tide of, of all the things that are going on. This stuff, um, I forget what it's called, All Things New, mm -hmm. it's, it's an it's a, it's, it's a institution of well-meaning people that are doing the best they can to make adjustments that, that it's pretty obvious they need to be made. I, I have, how many of you have attended an all new, uh, all things new uh, listening session? I don't know what your feeling was, but but they convinced me we're in a world of crap. We, we got problems. That's, that's what they convinced me of. Now they didn't really tell me about any solutions. I didn't hear anybody talk about winning. I didn't hear anybody talk about growing, but that's what we got to do. We're, we're the guys who are going to do it. You, got, you know, you guys wouldn't be here unless you cared. So anyway, we're going from asking to begging. The next time is next Thursday here. We know everybody can't make it to all of them. We know you got lots of things to juggle. But, but please really consider joining us um, and bringing uh, other men with you because we, we want to grow this thing. So that was an instinctive, uh, totally... Uh, spontaneous thing I wasn't planning on doing, but uh, thanks for your time. All right. Can I follow up? Because I absolutely really inspired myself after what he said. I, I'm doing these MCTs. We've been at them for a while. And it, and it, it is really, it's, it's nothing like this night. Matt was saying it's not as formal and stuff. It, it, it's one hour to come and learn how to be better and hear a guy that might be sitting right here and sharing a story about something in his life that made a difference in his life. I heard a story about a guy who, who was really passionate about football and making his, helping his team win. And he, he, he was successful at it, but he just didn't feel fulfilled. 
40 years later, the star quarterback from that football team is, is basically dying, he's on his deathbed, and uh, the man says to him, he says, you're not looking so good. And he goes, yeah, maybe I was throwing too many bombs. And he said, well, I think I should have probably spent more time teaching about important things, like the, uh, Christ and the teachings of his church, instead of blocking and tackling. Maybe it would have been a little different. I don't think we can downplay human uh, a guy's story like that yeah. at all, because I, I shared with this guy later on, and I shared with Deacon Bob earlier, I said, what if, and, we, and nobody knows if you make a difference. I mean, that's all up to God. But what if everybody in this room, especially us who have had children fallen away from the church, what if when we were 20 years old, we were a part of a men's group that met every week and did spiritual reading and discussions and held each other accountable? What if we were, what if we were a part of a, uh, I can't even remember now, I'm getting so cranked up in this, but uh, but uh, what if we were a part of a, oh, what if, what if we approached Sunday Mass and getting our family to Sunday Mass the way we heard last month at this event, where nothing gets in the way of it, absolutely nothing gets in the way of going, how about, what if we approached our life when we were 20 years old and we were in a men's group and we were doing these kinds of things? We don't know what the difference would be, but I think the mess that Mark just talked about wouldn't be as messy as it is today if we'd have lived our calling to be men. And so we have enough responsibility, us older men, to get younger men who are raising their families. We've got Nick at our table. He's got a bunch of young kids, and he's here. Thank you for being here. And that's how we keep this. I screwed up, or I, I didn't screw up. I did what I could. And, but if I would have been more, who knows? But anyway, come. We're begging you, come and bring some people with you. We've got to spread the word. It's the only thing that's going to fix the mess we're in. Amen. All right. If anybody has any concerns or feelings or thoughts or reservations about asking someone they know or asking someone they maybe know or they run into and you feel a little, a little timid about that, talk to Brent Abrams back there. <laughs> He's he's the guy. Yeah, he's he's the guy that he told me at the beginning tonight. It's like, you know, I, I got a list of everybody that's ever been to one of these things, and I put all their phone numbers in my phone, and I'm gonna just start working my way through them and getting them to come, you know, to keep coming back. I mean, it is, it really, you know, is true that within the Catholic Church, small grassroots efforts led by strong, faith-filled Catholic men, that is the solution. That is the, the, the magic bean. That's the thing that's going to that's gonna drag it through the mud and pull it out and, and get it back to, you know, get us back into an, an age of Christendom at some point. Um, so, yeah, so thanks for, for getting the, the passions flowing.